You're listening to the Real Estate Entrepreneur Podcast with Terrence Murphy, where we cover sales, investing, and entrepreneurship with an emphasis on real estate. Each podcast, Terrence and his guests will bring you informative and inspiring information within the real estate industry. Welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Entrepreneur with Terrence Murphy. Um, I always start off every episode with a quote, and this one's pretty short, but it says, if you feel burnout setting in, if you feel demoralized and exhausted, it's best for the sake of everyone to withdraw and restore yourself. The point is to have a long, long-term long perspective. So Dalai Lama, I mean, as entrepreneurs, we just keep going, we keep running, we keep pushing, and we got to make sure mental health and mental wellness and all those things are taken care of. So I just want to encourage the audience. But let's jump into my guest today. Cody Bugen has been a key player in 30 development projects, developing 2,300 lots slash units from raw dirt to create $920 million in revenue from residential development. Welcome him to the show today. Hey, man. Appreciate you having me. I love that quote, by the way. It's, um, you know, I, I think we're always chasing and sometimes you need to um, just be still, be silent, you know, and um, I'm a believer in Jesus, right? So those those moments really allow the Lord to speak to me and, and um, you know, just my time in prayer every day. Um, it's really what keeps me going, man. It keeps me energized. And, and, um, you know, I think we need, we need to always, we need to find that balance, right? Cause our mental health as entrepreneurs, you know, anxiety and depression and burnout and stress, those are all real things. And if we don't take care of ourselves, how can we expect to be the best for our business, for our wife, for our kids, for our friends? So that was a great quote. I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. And nobody's talking about that, right? You know, Nobody's talking about mental health. Nobody's talking about, you know, health and wellness, resting, hydrating, you know, spirituality, working out. Like everybody's just flashing the private jets and the cars and the suits, and (laughs) you know, and it's like, that's all good, man. But show us what you're really about. And I think that's something that, man, has been a new passion for me just to be real and genuine with people. I think a real man is a man that knows how to be vulnerable and transparent and be authentic to who they are. For sure. And I'm on, I'm on my personal journey. I started it about four years ago, and um, and I'm that's that's the area I'm constantly focused on and trying to grow and grow. Because as men, um, especially as men, and I'm not trying to dismiss women, but as men, we're taught to be strong, right? And just and just deal with it, you know, suck it up, and and we're almost taught to be non-emotional and to not be raw. And I just, um, I think that leads us down a path um, that uh, can often get us in trouble. For sure. And um, yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. Well, like you said, man, I'm also obviously a believer in Christ and, you know, it, you, you learn a lot being on that journey with him. And, um, you know, it's, it's a beautiful thing. It's like do on the ground every day, his grace renews, right? And so, and I always tell people there's a thin line in walking with Christ. Condemnation is on one side, grace is on the other. That line in the middle is very thin and really understanding the balance of when am I, you know, when am I condemning myself, right? You know, because I messed up or I did this or did that and you just feel that burden. But then walking in grace and really knowing that God loves you, you know, and, but then I've seen people walk in grace too much, right? It's like, well, he loves me. So I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. It's like, man, there's a balance Mm -hmm. there. And I always say that's the same balance we got to have in life with being entrepreneurs. You want to chase, you want to go, you want to achieve, but what kind of impact are you making? What kind of legacy are you leaving? Uh, and let's 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 jump into that, man. What, 
So if you if if people were to talk about Cody when he's called home to be with the Lord, what would you want your kids to say and people to say about you? Uh, well, uh, dude, you're speaking my language. I don't know if you like went and checked out my website or. What. I didn't, bro. And honestly, my, my, my saying. <laughs> I never asked that question. <laughs> I've never asked that question on the podcast. I'm just following the spirit. Yeah, bro. well, I love it. Uh, so I, my saying is purpose, impact, fulfillment. It's PIF, P-I-F, and. Um, you know, through finding our purpose, we have impact. Through impact, we have fulfillment. Uh, the reality is, and, I, and I've, I'm going to say something that I've never said on a pad, podcast. I say all the time, fulfillment is not possible without impact. I'm going to take it a step further and something that I even read in my devotion this morning and I talked to my wife about this morning, and it's something I truly believe. And I say to those somewhat close to me because I don't want to offend, but based on rolling with this conversation, just being authentic. The other thing that I think absolutely is a must in order to have true fulfillment is Jesus. I don't think you can have true fulfillment without Jesus. I just, it's truly what I believe. And, um, and, uh, but I, I usually don't, cause I don't want to offend. Right. So yeah. I usually won't say that, but, um, since we're on a roll, I'll just throw that in there that I usually won't throw in on a podcast interview. I'll just talk about impact, but I will tell you, you know, I, I've, um, had a lot of failures, a lot of challenges, trials, tribulations. Uh, Lord had to get my attention many times. Uh, I think in, you know, a lot of times I've been stubborn with, with the Lord and he's had to put me on my knees in, in a big, big way. And so related to legacy, I can tell you that um, I would not have been proud of my legacy um, for most of my life up to this point because um, I was just way out of whack or way out of balance in one way or another. You know, we hear sometimes about, <clears throat> I'll tell you one thing I do believe, I can go make all the money in the world and be worth eight, nine figures, whatever, 10 figures. But man, if if uh, I don't have a spiritual life or if I'm, you know, I'm out of shape or my wife doesn't love me or I have no friends or my kids can't stand, like at the end of the day, you failed, right? I don't care how much money you made. Um, you know, you got to try to be, you got to try to stay above the line in all these areas of your life, right? Yep. So um so I've really been focused on that the last four years. Um, you know, up until then, I, I didn't do, I didn't have mentors. I didn't do courses, didn't do masterminds, didn't do podcasts, did nothing. Um, and, and today, you know, um, you know, like one of the shirts I wear is what's your legacy. Um, another shirt I wear is PIF, Purpose Impact Fulfillment. Another shirt I wear is Purpose Driven Life. Another shirt I wear is Believe Action Faith, right? So in anything, in business, or in your walk with the Lord, or I don't care what element of life it is. First, you got to believe in it, right? Whatever it is, including yourself, you got to believe in yourself, right? You got to empower yourself. You got to, you got to give yourself permission. Um, you got to see yourself as worthy. So you got to believe in yourself. You got to believe in whatever it is you're trying to accomplish that it's possible. And then often, you know, in, in the spiritual life, in the church, they, 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 they go right from believe to faith. And, and, um, I'll tell you, I heard a sermon and I'm not, I'm not trying to preach on this podcast, but it's just flowing. So let me keep going. <laughs> they, I heard, I, I, I heard in a, I heard in a, in a church service in 2016, I grew up, I was, I was, I was saved when I was eight years old, heard a million sermons, heard a sermon in 2016 that I'd never heard before. And it was an aha moment in my life. And that sermon was just cause you believe doesn't mean you have faith that believe and faith are two different things. 
And so, and at that moment, I realized I was a control freak and that I needed to exercise my faith muscle more, that I needed to realize. And through that, it was, it was an aha light bulb moment. And, and whenever I find myself falling out of peace, I realize I need to get, I need to get, get, I need to get my faith in check, right? Because mm -hmm. through my faith, I find peace. But what happens is a lot of spiritual people or, or religious people, they, they talk about believing faith but they skip over a big part uh, to me, one of the three steps and the step that's in the middle is action. So I have another shirt that I, that I wear. It says, believe action, faith. So whatever it is you're trying to accomplish in your entrepreneur path or in your spiritual life or with, with whatever in your life, you got to believe in it. You got to take the necessary action. And then you got to realize at the end of the day, you got to have faith. You know, you're not in control of everything. And, and uh, you know, I've, you know, I have this saying, you know, you can hoe your field all day long, but at the end of the day, the vegetation's not up to you, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and so, um, so anyways, then what do I want my legacy to be? I want my legacy to be all those things, right. That, that, um, you know, that I truly was, had a positive impact, right. And that I was striving to be successful in all areas of my life. And that, um, you know, and quite frankly, I, you know, part of that legacy is, is that I wasn't always that way and that I had a pivoting moment in my life and, and that people can change. Um, and, and that I was, uh, you know, I, I was a uh, proof of that. So Love it. yeah, Love it. I know that was a very long answer to your question, but it allowed me to roll into some very important things, uh, in my life. No, it's great, man. I think in this day and age, people don't listen anymore. And so I'm, I'm a really active listener, you know, even when I have conversations, there's just like a weird pause sometimes because I'm I'm giving that I'm giving what you just told me space to breathe. And I always say people listen to reply. They don't listen to actually hear you anymore. And so for me, I'm listening to hear you versus just waiting on you to be done so I can just jump in the conversation. <laughs> you know, and I'm teaching my kids that right now. I'm like, I didn't even finish my sentence and you're already responding. So how do you even have time to digest what I'm saying? So now, man, that's great, man. And as we pivot into real estate, how did you get into real estate? Like what, what led you that direction? Like, how did you become a real estate entrepreneur? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I'll tell you that, uh, well, first let me say there's a picture behind me and a clock behind me. And that's my grandfather who was a very large land developer, home builder. Um, and, but he passed when I was 15. So I wasn't able to really get a lot from him. But, and then that's his clock that, that was given to me when he was the president of the HBA, the Home Builders Association. So I'm able to pull inspiration from that. And that's, that's why that's, that's behind me. Um, but what happened is I got my high school girlfriend pregnant, uh, thought I was going off to college and said, I went right into the workforce. I went for the union. Uh, the reason I went into the flooring union specifically, or union actually in general, is after three months you qualify for health insurance, right? And I needed to be able to pay for this baby. Mm -hmm. It was on its way. So I got married two months out of high school, uh, had had uh, had our baby three months out of high school, but I was in the trades at that point, right? I was doing floors and counters and ended up leaving the union, going and working at another company. And, um, <clears throat> and you know, I was driven, workaholic, you know, this, that, and the other, lots of mistakes, but, um, I became friends with a lot of home builders, land developers, and I was just inspired by their lifestyle, their businesses, their, quite frankly, their income. And, um, and one thing led to another, and there was a big name real estate act agent actually in town, 
um, that everybody knew. And uh, somehow him and I rubbed elbows and one thing led to another. And he knew I was thinking about leaving the flooring industry because at a point where I had capped out in that flooring industry where I either needed to go start my own store or go do something else. And, and uh, I decided to go do something else. And he asked me if I'd partner with him and, and uh, we were partners for a couple of years. And, um, and, and, uh, and then from there, after that two year period, then at that point I was, you know, kind of doing my own thing, but uh, it was just, I wanted more, man. I wanted, you know, self-employment was, was, was a part of my vision and, and, um, you know, it, it's, it hasn't all been peaches and cream. I can tell you that, but I have never regretted a single day of, you know, getting away from the W2. No, I love it. Um, yeah. So I was, that happened in O2 to be more specific. And I was, and in 02, I was 24 years old. So that's when I started my my home building and land development company. Love it, man. So with your with your development, so you're doing ground up development. Let's let's talk through that. What does that look like for you when you're looking at a piece of dirt, right? Because that's that's what everybody wants to know. Like, how can I replicate what you're doing myself? Can you give me some tools? Like, walk me through what that looks like. So. And the mo- my specific model has changed over the years. You know, it's been 20 years now. And so, um, and we kind of pivot based upon the opportunity in the marketplace. So to give you an idea, you know, we very much focused on off market. So, you know, we, we do, most of our deals are off market uh, for a few reasons. One is I'm, control- I'm in control of my own deal flow at that point. And two is, is I'm not competing against everybody else and their mom to get a deal that's on market. So, mm-hmm. and what we found in our space is most of the time an on market deal. And, and let me stop right there. What we specialize in is raw land. Okay. Mm-hmm. They could have a house on it or whatever, but raw land that has development potential. That's what we specialize in. Okay. And, um, and, um, and so, you know, over the years, we've done the off-market prospecting. We've done the entitlements, you know, the approval process, land use approval, preliminary, whatever you want to call it. And then we've done the horizontal, you know, infrastructure development, the land development, and then we've also built the houses, okay? And I will tell you in 2007, um, you know, what, how old was I? I was like 28, 29, uh, I think it was 28. Um, you know, I lost 90% of my net worth. And so... I went being from being worth, gosh, I think I was worth around 20 million to being worth 2 million. And I'm not saying that to be flashy. I'm sharing that just for this, just so you can understand. Mm -hmm. Um, And the reason I lost all that net worth was because I was in the middle of developing all these projects, doing the horizontal construction, right? The land development and then the market turned. And the reality is it doesn't matter that I had those finished lots pre-sold, which is a finished lot is, you know, I go in and I, I, I'm building a residential single family neighborhood. And then when I'm done putting in the, you know, the utilities and the streets and the street lights and everything, you end up with what's called a finished lot. And so it's this, these plats, these individual tax lots or legal lots of record that then individual homes can be built on those lots. And so, yeah. but if you, if the market takes a major turn in the middle of doing horizontal development, you're stuck with uh, more than likely. Yeah. You're stuck. You're stuck with this inventory, your buyers walking. And, you know, I can think of a deal I was doing in Idaho during that time where I think the lots were worth like one third. By the time I was done with the project, they were worth one third what I had them pre-sold for. And wow. so you're just, you're, you're in a tough spot. And so 
my model today is I quit building homes about six years ago and I quit actually doing the horizontal, the land development, you know, doing all that construction. I stopped doing that about two years ago. And so what I'm doing now is I specialize, we're just doing the off-market acquisitions, putting the deals together, running them through the approval process and then getting so. them in a pretty packaged up on all nice and a pretty little bow. And then we're exiting at approvals mainly to public companies. Um, and, and we're doing double closing simultaneous closings. Cause you know, one thing I'll tell you is, is that if you're going to play in this space, it's not like a normal real estate transaction from a standpoint that these aren't 30 day, 60 day closings is that if you're going to pay development value for land, you got to make sure it's developable and it's not developable until it's approved. Mm. And, and the, often the question I get, and, and you know, and that could be six months to a year and a half to get through that process, depending on where in the country and what jurisdiction and common question I get after I say that is how do you get a seller to wait that long? Well, it's really simple. I, you know, I have another model where I do, I land bank, right? So I can come in and I can pay you as is value for your land right now, whatever it's worth today. Okay. And I'll close quickly. Or if you want, you know, five, eight, 10 X that wait and let me close when I get the approval in place. Mm -hmm. I don't care. You pick. Yeah. Right. And I've never had a seller yet say, I'll take the quick payday. Mm -hmm. Right. They always want the additional. So, so then what we do is double closing simultaneous closings, right? My buyer closes with me. I close with the seller. I make my scrape out of the middle. And I got to tell you these publics, you know, cause it used to be, I mean, back in the day, we'd do projects that were two, three, four lots. I mean, today our projects are a hundred to, you know, 500 lots. And so, um, but these guys are ecstatic because in major metro, you know, major markets throughout the country now, most of the big boys do what's called self-develop. Yep. And they haven't always done that where they self-develop. And so they'll come in and buy the project from me. They'll do the horizontal land development for very little profit margin just to have the lots to build on because of supply and demand. Is that if they're not willing to self-develop and pay a premium at approvals, um, it, it's gonna it's it's gonna affect their deal flow in a big way. Yeah, they can't get and inventory. to a point now where, yeah, these guys, yeah, exactly. These guys now they don't even really look at what their profit is on the land development. They're just looking at what their margin is or profit is on the on the house sale, right? And so, for me, it makes no sense in this market for me to take on the risk of horizontal land development when I can exit at approval and my client's still ecstatic. And, and I'm, and I'm making the type of margins or profit that I am. Man, I love the pivot, bro. So, so you feel yeah. like, you know, with the 2007 and you got stuck with the inventory, how did you slowly work your way through that balance sheet? Did you just liquidate the properties? Did you, you know, how did you get back to a place to where when the market came back, you were ready to get back in the game? Yeah, good question. Um, so it was a combination of things. Um, one is, so the reason I didn't go bankrupt like most of my buddies is not because I was any smarter than any of them. What happened is, is that at that time I was up, my main business was up in the Pacific Northwest and I was in Oregon, Washington and Idaho. And, and in Oregon and Washington, they have what's called the urban growth boundary. And that's kind of a line they draw, drive around, draw around the city. And they say, you can only develop within this circle or this, this boundary. Right. And mm -hmm. so it controls supply, mm -hmm. right? It's not urban sprawl where in Boise, 
they don't have that. And so they can, they can, they can easily oversupply the market. And so what happened is Idaho got hit about a year before Oregon, Washington did. So when I took a whooping in Oregon or in Idaho, I was able to come over to where my main business was in Oregon and Washington and just start getting out of deals. Right. And yep. cutting my losses. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's really, yeah. So that's really what saved me. Um, one thing I'm very thankful of through all of that is I paid every one of my contractors. I paid every one of my subs. Um, and I was writing personal checks to my company to make sure those guys got paid because at the end of the day, I hired them. You know, I, th I saw a lot of guys that I didn't necessarily appreciate how they handled those times because what they would do is they wouldn't write any personal checks back to the business. And so they're still living, you know, high on the hog while all their subs were going broke and going under. And um, I I'm thankful I made that decision. Um, but, you know, the biggest mistake I made in that downturn well, one, I learned a lot losing it, man. I learned way more losing it than I ever did making it. That's what I it really say. humbled me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it very much humbled me. You know, I was in the 20s worth all this money. I was a snot-nosed punk. I thought I was the stuff, and, and I was very humbled. But the biggest mistake I made in that downturn, because I didn't have mentors, I didn't have coaches, I didn't have masterminds, I didn't have any of this stuff, what I should have been doing is why I was strategically – you know, keeping myself a lot, you know, keeping us above water at the same time as I was doing that. And I should have also been putting together a business model to go capture all the opportunity. Yeah. Right. I should have been pulling in investors, you know, based upon my experience and, and, and my expertise, because what I saw coming out of that, the guys that were strategically buying during that, you know, we're all making a lot of money right now. And there's a lot of people right now thinking they're really, really smart. And, and unfortunately, I hate to break your, bust your bubble, but it's not that you're really, really smart. It's just the money's making you a lot of, is making you a lot of money, right? Is that there's a lot of people out there thinking their underwriting's phenomenal and this, that, and the other, and it's really not. It's just the market is making them a lot of money. And so it's great. We're all making money, but I, you know, where real wealth is generated is when you're buying in a downturn Yeah, buying and, and Lord and Lord willing is I, you know, do I think we have the great recession coming like we did in 07, 08? No, I don't. Um, are we scaling as a company more than we ever have? Yes, we are. And we plan on scaling, you know, as much as we can between now and 25. I mean, I, do I think we have a correction coming? Sure. Great recession? No. But do I think there's going to be great opportunity when the market, you know, has a little reality check? I do. And Lord willing, this time, you'll be I ready. will be able to go capture those opportunities. That's right. <laughs> yeah, you'll that's be right. ready. Yeah, that's good wisdom, bro. It's a lot of good wisdom. Um, no, that's good, man. I think, you know, you're just doing residential, no multifamily, no commercial. You just residential lots, you know, in and out. Is it more of like a production, the, the Lenore, you know, Lenore Homes, the David Weekly, those kind of production builders buying? Is that your end user? Um, so... First question is, so our model, cause I have a, so I have my development company called Allied Development. And then I have an online education company that I started in 2019 called Best Right. And so we teach literally exactly what we do. We have numerous courses. Uh, we have courses for real estate agents. We have courses for those that just wanna go find deals, bring them to us, partner with us. We'll capitalize them, we'll run them, we'll sell them. And then we have another course that we literally teach you everything we do and you just go do it on your own. Um, but the beautiful thing about dirt, right, is um, 
here's the reality. Dirt controls the deal. So no matter what the asset class is, if you're going buying existing complexes or whatever, at the end of the day, all of those deals, all of that real estate started with the dirt, right? Yep. So dirt controls the deal. And so my business model really works no matter what asset class you're in. I don't care if we're talking about retail, multifamily, storage, single family. It doesn't matter to me. Um, the off-market prospecting and the approval process, right, is literally 90% the same no matter what the asset class. So, you know, I've done some multifamily stuff. Um, I'm working on some storage stuff right now. Um, but more with the multifamily and storage, I don't just take my, 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 our plan there for 22 is, and we're not just making these big paydays at approval. Those, those types of assets, we plan on actually just not taking our ordinary payday, you know, our ordinary income payday, or only taking a portion of it and rolling the rest of it into the asset itself to where it's passive mailbox residual money for us, where we're getting a piece of all those deals. And so, because originally I was going to go be an operator or a syndicator back in 2020 and then COVID hit and then I shut that model down. But it, it was kind of a pain because I was having to go do a complete do, new business model. And then we realized, well, no, let's just continue to do what we do. We're just dirt guys, right? So, but we can do dirt deals in different asset classes and enroll and, and our experience, right? In our, in our sweat equity into these deals and create passive income that way. So, um, but to, as far as Lennar and you mentioned David Weekly and all those guys, yes, the publics, those publicly traded large production builders are mainly the only builders I sell to. And that's, that's, that's um, mainly because of the size of my projects. Yeah, they can right? take it down. Is that, yeah, they can take it down. And, um, you know, sometimes the locals and regionals, they, they just can't compete with those guys, right? Because those guys, their model is built on scale, right? And volume. And to where they oftentimes with my business model can't compete with the publics. No, man, that's good, man. That's really good wisdom. So I, got, if I was doing smaller deals like I used to, right? I was going to say, I bring used to me do in smaller the game. deals. I said, they put me in the I game. used to do smaller deals <laughs> and it was so much fun to sell to the locals, right? It was, you know, I was helping keep them alive and, and keep their businesses going, but we're just to a point where you just don't do those size projects anymore. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, brother. So we got this one section. It's called coming in hot. I'm going to throw some rapid questions at you and you just hit them real quick. One word, okay. one sentence. And it just kind of sets the stage on the next kind of segment we're going to go into. And then I got a couple more questions, man. All right. So you ready? So yep. do you have a college degree or no degree? Yes or no? No degree. What was your greatest challenge as a child? As a child? Mm-hmm. Um, Learning how to filter through my father's unhealthy behavior and influence. Yeah, that's good wisdom, bro. What was your first attempt at entrepreneurship? Uh, 12 years old, there was a flea market in my small little town, and I used to go down there and set up a booth on the weekends and buy, sell, and trade sports cards. <laughs> I had a trade card business at 12 too, man. All right. <laughs> it's crazy. Life is crazy. What's the worst real estate advice you've ever gotten or received? Uh, I, I'll turn it to more business advice, which, you know, I used in real estate is figure out your strengths and weaknesses and focus on your weaknesses. So you become more well-rounded. It's mm -hmm. worst advice ever. Figure out your strengths and weaknesses, throw your weaknesses out the door and focus on your strengths. Yep. Double down on your driver, Tiger Woods. Yeah. And then who is the one person that made the biggest impact on your career? 
It would be the man that first made me realize my gifts and see the opportunity and potential I had, which is a gentleman by the name of Tim Aldinger, which is the one that allowed me to run his flooring business at a very, very young age. That's awesome. That's awesome. Congrats, bro. I didn't even time him, Kyle. Oh, you got him? All right. Was that one minute, 27 seconds? <laughs> I should have told you, bro. We've been doing this challenge like a 40-yard dash. And you get the five questions and we've been keeping up. We're going to start ranking our guests on who has the fastest time. I didn't even tell him, man. Uh, well, I could have done it in 30 <laughs> seconds if I would have known that. I set you I up. I just would have given you one words. Bro, I set I you up. I said Tim Aldinger. <laughs> <laughs> I set you up, man. Set you up. I didn't, I didn't. I didn't even tell him. I got to do better, Kyle. All right, that was fun though. All right, so a couple more questions, brother. What would you say if I want to get into development? Um, what would be the top three, top three things you would tell me I need to be working on or doing if I wanted to start right now from scratch? Man, I'm not trying to pitch you. But the first thing I'd tell you to do is go to my education company because I'm the only one that I know of that is teaching this stuff. Um, but I don't teach the technical side. I don't teach the actual construction portion of it. That's technical and there's all kinds of, you know, information out there. And quite frankly, I don't have any specialized experience or any, um, I, I just don't, I, I, I can't drop any golden nuggets on you related to that technical side. But as far as off-market acquisitions and entitlements, I'm the only one that I know of teaching it. And it is absolutely, I'm not trying to pitch you, but it is absolutely where I would start. There it is. 100%. Love it. That's Love it. it. Hey, that's it. So what is one of the things that you feel like the real estate market, the biggest opportunity that's coming that people aren't paying attention to? It's not on their radar. Gosh, I don't mean to be self-absorbed and self-focused, <laughs> but I truly believe it's my model, right? Yeah. Like, you know, the type of money I'm making, it's, it's, it's off the charts, right? Like, you know, I have a goal to to be a part of creating a thousand millionaires. And, and I have people going through my course that are, um, they're that, you know, they're there or they're close to being there. And, and, uh, there's just, there's not a lot of models out there that, that, that can happen at the pace that mine can. Here's the reality. Everybody and their mom right now is a house wholesaler. Sorry if you're a house wholesaler. I'm not trying to offend you, but thousands thousand people have been taught that model thousands you know hundreds of people are teaching the model yep. and it's low-hanging fruit and everybody's doing it there's one on every street corner and here's really apartment syndicators are right behind them like everybody <laughs> and their mom's an apartment syndicator right now um but when you start talking about, talking about dirt and land and all that like no one knows it no one understands it it's truly it's truly a blue ocean opportunity it is and and it's and it's no one's fault it's just it's not taught right and, and, uh, people think the barrier of entry is really high, right? You had to have money given to you, or you had to have a business handed to you, or you, you know, you had to go get a degree, whatever. And it's just, it's just not the truth. Like our model, you can get in with none of that. Yeah. Um, and it's just, I, I, I hate to say it, but I, 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 it's my model. No, I agree. You know, I'll tell you, it's nothing sexy about it. Right. Cause I've been developing for 15 years. I'm actually about 250, 275 lots right now in small college station. Um, nothing sexy about it. It doesn't get a lot of glitz and glamour and you have to be patient. Cause like you said, this is a, mm -hmm. this is a 12, 16 month, 18 month project. And you know, you're driving by every day and the dirt's just sitting there, you know, there's no revenue coming yeah. in. 
So I think that's yeah. why it's it's a blue ocean. You you hit it on the head, and but it but people are being forced to look at development now. They have to. Yeah. You know yeah. you can't can't yep. get your hands on anything else. And so I actually yep. started. I you know I I cut my teeth in urban development. You know right around Texas A and M, I was going in. I was 24 years old, and I start buying up houses. I would go in and buy up the whole block. I'd rezone it, replat it, and go vertical. Like you said, you got to mm-hmm. extend the sewer line. You got to redo the streets. You got to mm-hmm. redo the, you know, run the underground conduit. And that's where I cut my teeth in my early 20s doing development. And now I'm doing neighborhoods and all kind of stuff. Like I'm in Jack Nicholas golf course communities and whatever. But no, nah, man, yeah, I mean, you hit it on the head, bro. So I agree. That's good. Oh, well, thank you, because I really do believe it. And I'm not saying it just because I do it and teach it. I'm yeah. saying it because I believe it. Yeah, for sure. Here's the reality. I could take my headquarters in Dallas where I have my CEO and my team and all that. I live in Scottsdale. The company functions better without me in there. <laughs> um, but our team, I can we can pivot on a dime and go do anything we want in real estate. Anything. Uh, and we have the experience and the wherewithal to do any, literally anything in real estate. And we are committed and, and, and excited and disciplined that our model, um, at least right, right now is the model. Cause you got, you know, opportunities shift in real estate. And so, but right now I think that's where the opportunity is. No, I love it. Love it, man. So one other thing I was going to ask, and this is kind of a, this wasn't, this was not timed. Uh, but, uh, so I got three quick (laughs) questions. What's the secret that you have to good time management? Man, I, uh, I, I got to humbly tell you, I don't know that I'm the best at time management. <laughs> um, you know, I have, I, have eight, well, I have eight daily habits that I do every day that have nothing to do with my business but make me a better man and a better leader. And those take me four hours a day. Yep. And so, but the best thing that helps me with time management is I never let anything probably sit on my desk too long. Um, uh, you know, my, my desk and my office is, it, it looks like I just picked it up, but it always sits this way. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I'm also a master delegator, right? Like there's just, I don't, I don't have a lot of day-to-day responsibility in my businesses. And so, um, and I learned that from my father, from a standpoint, my father taught me a lot of things of what not to do. And one thing why my father could never get anywhere is because he didn't trust anybody and he couldn't delegate. You know, so he was a house framer or a home builder for a little bit before he got taken under and, and he never came back, but he never did have anything of any scale because he had to drive every nail himself, mm. you know? And so I'm a, I'm definitely a master delegator. I love it. Yeah. So to, to that point, for someone who's holding on to everything as an entrepreneur, what book, what strategy would you encourage them? What tool would you give them to work on being a better delegator to where they can let go of things? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think probably a lot of people have heard of EOS by now. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I mean, go read, go read, read E-Myth, go read Traction, see how to structure your business in a way where you feel comfortable delegating because there are certain tools in place to make sure you keep a pulse on your business, even though you're not doing it yourself. Yep. Yep. Man, we got a lot in common. Yeah. Gino Wigman's my guy. Uh, Traction, Rocket Fuel. What is EOS? I mean, yeah, you know, you know, and we've incorporated that in all of our businesses. And so, you know, we, we have 22 businesses that we own and run and we're investing in another 30. So we're involved in about 50 businesses. Um, But yeah, I mean, you, 
in order to have that, like you said, scale, just to be able to see, you know, the VTO and, you know, level 10 meetings, yeah. it's, it's, it's been a game changer for yeah. us. And we've been doing it now for about five, six years. So, yeah, that's okay. awesome. You know. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so what's your secret to to good branding? Like, as you build this brand, you know, like you said, because I bet at this point, your deal flow, people are calling you guys saying, hey, here's a track of land. Would you be interested? Yeah. Um. I don't classify myself as a marketer, but one thing I think that has drawn people to my brand is um, they trust me. Uh, and so my, if someone ever asks what book I recommend, I always recommend the book called The Speed of Trust. Mm. And trust is the foundation of any relationship. And um, I've just committed to being authentic to who I am I've committed to vulnerability, transparency. And, you know, as my team has, has interviewed, um, you know, a lot of the students that have been through my best right course, you know, cause they get, they see ads all the time for all these different courses. Right. And a lot of them, why they did my course, it's not sure that they were drawn to the large paydays. They were drawn to my principles and what I stand for. Um, and so to me that, that, that is definitely, that is the core of my brand, 100%. Good. You took that question, my, my book question, so that's good. All right, last one, last two. Um, what's your moonshot, right? So I say we have a moonshot. That's like your idea, your your dream, your like crazy, audacious, hairy goal that people don't think is possible. What's that moonshot for you? If, if, this, is, if, if this could be possible, what is that? I mean, it would probably be, that, you know, that, that, um, that I've – that I was an intricate part, if not the biggest part of, um, you know, having an impact on others. And the way I've attached kind of a scoreboard to that is, is that I've generated, uh, that I've been, I've been that for, um, for a thousand millionaires, right. That I, that I, it was me that did that. And it's not, it's not, the goal isn't related to the money. The goal is related to the impact that I'm able to have on other people. No, I love it. I literally have a goal to do 500 millionaires. Literally, I've said there that. There you go. <laughs> it's like the I development, the EOS, the man. We we need to we need to stay in touch for sure. But <laughs> I literally yeah. have said it. I said it this year. I said starting in 2022, January one, over the next five years, I want to produce 500 millionaires. So yeah, maybe I need sweet. to raise the bar. That's You're sweet. at a thousand. I need to get to a thousand. <laughs> I'm not trying to make you look bad. <laughs> All right, bro. So final thoughts, man. If you want to leave a final thought for the audience and then where can people find you? Yeah. Um, final thought is just, uh, you know, I'm really, um, my word for 2022, I have all kinds of final thoughts, but I'll just tell you this. My word for 2022 is to surrender. Okay. That is my word for 22 is surrender. And you know, I, I'm not going to go spiritual and talk about Jesus again, but whether you believe in the universe and whatever, or whatever you believe in, allow things to come to you, right? Like, yes, as entrepreneurs, we're driven and we go and we push, but it's sometimes it's just stop. And like, you don't always have to be chasing, mm -hmm. like allow things to come to you. And, and, and that's, 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 that's what's happening. That's my word for 22. Um, and if you want to find me, you know, go to Facebook or 
um, you know, and search, you know, Cody Bugan, C-O-D-Y, Bugan, B as in boy, J-U-G-A-N. And, but yet, or better yet, if you want to learn more about our space, what we do, what we teach, um, go to Vestrite and I'm going to give you a link that, that I, that I drop on these podcasts, which is Vestrite, V-E-S-T-R-I-G-H-T, Vestrite.com slash my first name, Cody, C-O-D-Y. And just go there, check out some content and, um, and, uh, you know, and if you want to go further and establish a relationship, you know, there's ways to do that, but it's a, it's a blue ocean space and, and there's, um, we're just thankful to kind of try to bring it to the public as much as we can. So, uh, th- those are the two ways I would suggest checking us out. Well, man, meeting you, bro. I wanted to let you know, I'm proud of you, man, what you're doing. I know God has connected us for a reason and I want to stay in touch, bro, but really seriously, man, I'm, I'm proud of what you're doing and just keep keep knocking them down and I'll see you at the top, man. You'll have a thousand millionaires <laughs> you've created and I'll create my 500. That's 1500 together. So yeah, I love it. Yeah. Let's hey, stay. And I, I, I appreciate it, man. Yeah. Let's stay in touch, I, bro. Uh, I thank you. And I, man, I love it when people use the word proud and you can tell they mean it. And so I, that, 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 uh, I just told my daughter this morning how proud of her I was. And, uh, so anyways, thank you for that. I appreciate it. Yeah. I'll close with this quote. I said, um, there's already enough critiques and criticizers. Try being an encourager, you know? Mm-hmm. And so my whole life, bro, like, and I say this, like you said, not being arrogant, I've always been successful. I'm always going to be successful. I had one of the most successful car businesses at 12. I, you know, I had a little more business where I was CPA firms, doctor's offices, ear doctors. I was more in their yard, more in their commercial properties. And I've always been successful. And I tell people, no matter what state of mind I'm in, I'm successful. And so when I see other people that have created success through hard work and perseverance and faith, man, how can you not be inspired by it, man? It just, it, it brings joy to me to see people doing great things, man. And I really mean that, man. So we'll stay in touch, bro. Sounds good, man. I look forward to it. All right, brother. See you soon. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of The Real Estate Entrepreneur with Terrence Murphy. Please subscribe on whichever platform you are listening and consider leaving a five-star review as that will help us gain traction and continue to bring you knowledge in the real estate industry. For more content, head over to terrencemurphy.com.